worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the sea shore. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God 
than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. The passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Verses 1 through 40, Hebrews chapter 11. Father, thank you once again for your word and the power of the grace the strength that rests upon your word. And thank you for the opportunity we have daily of being able to spend time with you one-on-one in your word. Thank you for how that our faith grows and is strengthened daily as we read and meditate on your word. Father, more and more empower us to be the warriors of faith. You've called us to be putting our faith to work, learning to trust you in every situation, in every storm, in every challenge in life, knowing, Lord, that you are a heavenly Father, a great and the great shepherd who can always, always, always be trusted. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. Our producer is Isaac Jackson, and we do appreciate you being a part of our listening family. I want to take time now specifically to share an article with you, as we often do. Again, an article, once again, if you'd like to email and get a copy, we're glad to share them with you. The title of this article is The Child Warrior. Again, the title, The Child Warrior. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9 Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes." You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Then Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, 
so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that, that words may be given to me, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Again, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. Spiritual warfare is a reality of life. Life is not a playground. Life is not a beach. Life is a battlefield. So it is critical that we understand that life is not a game. It's not a game in which those who oppose you think themselves to be bound by a certain set of rules. The devil is our enemy, excuse me, the devil is our enemy, plain and simple. He hates all people, especially people of faith. This is the truth for every man and woman on earth. But know that this is not a reason for any believer to despair. Be mindful that Christ told us, but take heart. I have overcome the world, John 16, verse 33. Spiritual warfare is a reality for children and youth as much as it is for adults. It doesn't change for children and youth just because they are young. The devil isn't trying to give children a break. He doesn't care about children. He hates children as much as he hates adult human beings. A picture of how the devil feels about children can be seen in abortion. He hates them and wants to destroy them. Well, as followers of Christ, we would be wise to do our part to very effectively equip our children for the battlefield of life. We would be wise to seek to equip them as young warriors that every day have to step out on the same battlefield as adults. How tragic it is to see in the news children as tragic, as tragic casualties in the spiritual warfare of life. Teens murdering other teens, youth and children committing suicide, very young children hook on, hooked on drugs and selling them, children bullying other children, and the list could go on and on. We're wise to seek to help our children, uh, to help them to be Christian warriors, spiritual warriors, because this helps them to be in the most advantageous position they can be in life knowing Christ and walking in close fellowship with him as a warrior in Christ. And that position is in knowing that Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior and living a life boldly following him. That's a Christian warrior. So now allow me to define a Christian warrior. The following are some traits of a strong Christian warrior. He or she is a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as his or her personal Lord and Savior. Then, this person is growing spiritually as he or she becomes a diligent student of the Word of God, probably reading and meditating on at least three chapters in the Word of God every day. 
Then this person is a person of prayer who makes time to spend significant time with prayer, with God in prayer every day. This follower of Christ is seeking to live out the Word of God in his or her daily life and lifestyle. This believer is faithfully seeking to be a witness for Christ, learning to faithfully share the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever he or she may go, sharing their testimony, giving out gospel tracts, and in, through other means as well. This believer is also faithfully involved in making disciples, encouraging believers to grow and grow strong in their walk with Christ. One might ask, are these characteristics of a warrior, are these characteristics that should be taught to children as well as youth, as well as it taught to adults? Absolutely yes. Why is that true? Again, because our children, too, have to step out on the same battlefield that adults walk out onto every single day. It's critical that we as parents and adults not send our children onto the battlefields of life with quote-unquote sticks and stones. At the same time, we see the enemy with spiritual guns, missiles, grenades, etc. Parents know this. The Word of God is an atomic bomb. How critical it is that we equip our children with the Word of God as their main weapon in life. Ephesians 6 paints a powerful picture of how the kingdom warrior ought to be equipped. How important it is that we help equip our children with the ongoing work of filling their hearts and their minds with the powerful Word of God. Parents, we equip our children as warriors as we turn, as we have them to read the Word of God out loud to us daily. We fruitfully prepare them for the battlefield as we teach and train them to memorize the Word of God and to pray it every day. We're molding and shaping our children to be followers of Christ as we teach them how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to encourage other believers in their daily Bible reading and in prayer. We are graciously equipping our young saints as we teach them to give generously to the work of the kingdom of God. We're very strategically preparing them for battle as we model before them a life of boldly living for Christ in our everyday lives. When we believers fail to disciple and equip our children to be kingdom warriors, we leave them to be like civilians in the middle of battle with no weapons to adequately defend themselves. That's just about the end. But again, the title of the article, The Child Warrior. We'll be right back.
The music of Planet Shakers with Only Way, reminding us that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life and eternal salvation. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. We pick up now in the book of Judges as we're reading through the Word of God. Judges chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. Now in those days Israel had no king, and the tribe of Dan was trying to find a place where they could settle, for they had not yet moved into the land assigned to them when the land was divided among the tribes of Israel. So the men of Dan chose from their clans five capable warriors from the towns of Zorah and Eshtael to scout out a land for them to settle in. When these warriors arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, they came to Micah's house and spent the night there. While at Micah's house, they recognized the young Levite's accent. So they went over and asked him, Who brought you here and what are you doing in this place? Why are you here? He told them about his agreement with Micah and that he had been hired as Micah's personal priest. Then they said, Ask God whether or not our journey will be successful. Go in peace, the priest replied, for the Lord is watching over your journey. So the five men went on to the town of Laish, where they noticed the people living carefree lives, like the Sidonians. They were peaceful and secure. The people were also wealthy because their land was very fertile, and they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. When the men returned to Zorah and Eshtaol, their relatives asked them, What did you find? The men replied, Come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land, and it is very good. What are, what are you waiting for? Don't hesitate to go and take possession of it. When you get there, you will find the people living carefree lives, God has given us a spacious and fertile land, lacking in nothing. So 600 men from the tribe of Dan, armed with weapons of war, set out from Zorah and Eshtael. They camped at a place west of Kiriath Jearim in Judah, which is called Mahane Dan to this day. Then they went on from there into the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. The five men who had scouted out the land around Laish explained to the others, These buildings contain a sacred ephod, as well as some household idols, a carved image, and a cast idol. What do you think you should do? Then the men turned off the road and went over to Micah's house, where the young Levite lived, and greeted him kindly. As the six hundred Armed warriors from the tribe of Dan stood at the entrance of the gate. The five scouts entered the shrine and removed the carved and removed the carved image, the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the cast idol. Meanwhile, the priest, meanwhile the priest was standing at the gate with the 600 armed warriors. When the priest saw the men carrying all the sacred objects out of Micah's shrine, he said, what are you doing? Be quiet and come with us, they, they said. Be a father and priest to all of us. Isn't it better to be a priest for an entire tribe and clan of Israel than for the household of just one man? 
the young priest was quite happy to go with them. So he took along the sacred ephod, the household idols, and the carved image. They turned and started on their way again, placing their children, livestock, and possessions in front of them. When the people from the tribe of Dan were quite a distance from Micah's house, the people who lived near Micah came chasing after them. They were shouting as they caught up with them. The men of Dan turned around and said to Micah, What's the matter? Why have you called these men together and chased after us like this? What do you mean, what's the matter? Micah replied, You've taken away all the gods I have made and my priest, and I have nothing left. The men of Dan said, Watch what you say. There are some short-tempered men around here who might get angry and kill you and your family. So the men of Dan continued on their way. When Micah saw that they were too many of them for him to attack, he turned around and went home. Then, with Micah's idols and his priest, the men of Dan came to the town of Laish, whose people were peaceful and secure. They attacked with swords and burned the town to the ground. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from Sidon and had no allies nearby. This happened in the valley near Beth Rahab. Then the people of the tribe of Dan rebuilt the town and lived there. They, they renamed the town Dan after their ancestor, Israel's sons, Israel's son, but it had originally been called Laish. Then they set up the carved image and they appointed Jonathan, son of Gershom, son of Moses, as their priest. The family continued as priests for the tribe of Dan until exile. So Micah's carved image was worshiped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle of God remained at Shiloh. Judges chapter 19. Now in those days, Israel had no king. There was a man from the tribe of Levi living in a remote area of the hill country of Ephraim. One day he brought home a woman from Bethlehem in Judah to be his concubine. But she became angry with him and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem. After about four months, her husband set out for Bethlehem to speak personally to her and persuade her to come back. He took with him a servant and a pair of donkeys. When he arrived at her father's house, her father saw him and welcomed him. Her father urged him to stay a while, so he stayed three days, eating, drinking, and sleeping there. On the fourth day, the man was up early, ready to leave, but the woman's father said to his son-in-law, Have something to eat before you go. So the two men sat down together and had something to eat and drink. Then the woman's father said, Please stay another night and enjoy yourself. The man got up to leave, but his father-in-law kept urging him to stay, so he finally gave in and stayed the night. On the morning of the fifth day, he was up early again, ready to leave, and again the woman's father said, Have something to eat, then you can leave later this afternoon. So they had another day of feasting. Later, as the man and his concubine and servant were preparing to leave, his father-in-law said, Look, it's almost evening. 
Stay the night and enjoy yourself. Tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. But this time the man was determined to leave. So he took his two saddled donkeys and his concubine and headed in the direction of Jebus, that is Jerusalem. It was late in the day when they neared Jebus. And the man's servant said to him, Let's stop at this Jebusite Let's stop at this Jebusite town and spend the night there. No, his master said, we can't stay in this foreign town where there are no Israelites. Instead, we will go on to Gibeah. Come on, let's try to get. Come on, let's try to get. As far as Gibeah at Ramah, and we'll spend the night in one of the in one of those towns. So they went on. The sun was setting as they came to Gibeah, a town in the land of Benjamin. So they stopped there to spend the night. They rested. They rested in the town square, but no one took them in for the night. That evening an old man came home from his work in the fields. He was from the hill country of Ephraim, but he was living in Gibeah, where the people were from the tribe of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers sitting in the town square, he asked them where they were from and where they were going. We have been in Bethlehem in Judah, the man replied. We are on our way to a remote to a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim, which is my home. I traveled to Bethlehem, and now I'm returning home, but no one has taken us in for the night. Even though we have everything we need, we have straw and feed for our donkey and plenty of bread and wine for ourselves. You are welcome to stay with me, the old man said. I will give you anything you might need, but whatever you do, don't spend the night in the square. So he took them home with him and fed the donkeys. After they washed their feet, they ate and drank together. While they were enjoying themselves, a crowd of troublemakers from the town surrounded the house. They began beating at the door and shouting to the old man, Bring out the man who is staying with you so we can have sex with him. The old man stepped outside to talk to them. No, my brothers, don't do such an evil thing, for this man is a guest in my house, and such a thing would be shameful. Here, Take my virgin daughter and this man's concubine. I will bring them out to you, and you can abuse them and do whatever you like. But don't do such a shameful thing to this man. But they wouldn't listen to him. So the Levite took hold of his concubine and pushed her out the door. The men of the town abused her all night, taking turns raping her until morning. Finally, at dawn, they let her go. At daybreak, the woman returned to the house where her husband was staying. She collapsed at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. When her husband opened the door to leave, there lay his concubine with her hands on the threshold. He said, Get up, let's go. But there was no answer. So he put her body on his donkey and took her home. When he got home, 
He took a knife and cut his concubine's body into 12 pieces. Then he sent one piece to each tribe throughout all the territory of Israel. Everyone who saw it said, Such a horrible crime has not been committed in all the time since Israel left Egypt. Think about it. What are we going to do? Who's going to speak up? Judges chapter 20. Then all the Israelites, then all the Israelites were united as one man, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, including those from across the Jordan in the land of Gilead. The entire community assembled in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah, the leaders of all the people and all the tribes of Israel, 400,000 warriors armed with swords, took their positions in the assembly of the people of God. Word soon reached the land of Benjamin that the other tribes had gone up to Mizpah. The Israelites then asked how this terrible crime had happened. The Levite, the husband of the woman who had been murdered, said, My concubine and I came to spend the night in Gibeah, a town that belongs to the people of Benjamin. That night, some of the leading citizens of Gibeah surrounded the house, planning to kill me, and they raped my concubine until she was dead. So I cut her body into 12 pieces and sent the pieces throughout the territory assigned to Israel. For those men have committed a terrible and shameful crime. Now then, all of you, the entire community of Israel, must decide here and now what should be done, what should be done about this. And all the people rose to their feet in unison and declared, None of us will return home. No, not even one of us. Instead, this is what we will do. To Gibeah, we will draw lots to decide who will attack it. One-tenth of the men of each tribe will be chosen to supply the warriors with food. Verses 1 through 9, Judges chapter 20. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. As we're reading through the Word of God, we'll be right back.
music from Elevation Worship with Sea of Victory. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the gospel, the gospel of, excuse me, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 18, beginning at verse 18. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby Centrea. There he shaved his head, according to Jewish custom, marking the end of a vow. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. They stopped first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left the others behind. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later, God willing. Then he set sail for Ephesus. The next stop was at the port of Caesarea. From there, he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Phrygia, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. 
Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But, but one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly, all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Afterward, Paul felt compelled by the Spirit to go over to Macedonia and Achaia before going to Jerusalem. And after that, he said, I must go on to Rome. He sent his two assistants, Timothy and Erastus, ahead to Macedonia while he stayed a while longer in the province of Asia. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together, along with others employed in similar trades, and addressed them as follows and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm just talking about the loss, of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. I'm also concerned with the temple of the great goddess Artemis. Excuse me. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will lose its influence and that Artemis, this magnificent goddess, worshiped throughout the provinces, throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. At this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius 
and Aristarchus, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in, too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him, begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. Inside, the people were all shouting, some one thing and some another. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. The Jews in the crowd pushed Alexander forward and told him to explain the situation. He motioned for silence and tried to speak. But when the, but when the crowd realized he was a Jew, they started shouting again and kept up for about two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. At last, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is, since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. If Demetrius and the craftsmen have a case against them, the courts are in session and the officials can hear the case at once. Let them make formal charges. And if these are complaints about other matters, they can be settled in a legal assembly. I'm afraid we're in danger of being charged with rioting by the Roman government, since there is no cause for all this commotion. And if Rome demands an explanation, we won't know what to say. Then he dismissed them and they dispersed. Verses 1 through 41, all of Acts chapter 19. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we've been reading through the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, again for the privilege, the honor, the blessing that's ours as we're wise enough to take time to open your word every day and hear words of blessing, words of grace, words of empowerment, words of strength, words of joy, words of light that pour into our hearts and our minds, grace, peace, light, strength, and encouragement. More and more, help us to be wise enough to fill our hearts and our minds with your word every day. And help us also, Father, to be wise enough to teach and train our children to fill their hearts and their minds with your word each and every day as well. And help us to recognize your word is a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous blessing. And we're wise to fill up on it every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of asking and inviting Jesus Christ to come in your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a great day to be saved and to fully commit your heart and life to the Lord. If you'd like to make that step, would you from your heart simply pray this prayer with me even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so, so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. 
Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In your word, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me to read your word every day. Help me to pray and seek you in prayer every day. Help me to obey your word every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to be in touch with you and connect with you once again. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please email us. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you to begin to grow up and grow strong and vibrant in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, that email, joseph at afr.net. We definitely hope to hear from you. As always, we appreciate you being a part of our listening family. If you'd like to get a copy of the article we we read earlier, the article is entitled The Child Warrior. Simply email us, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to get it to you. Again, joseph at afr.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.